peculiars. <laughs> we have a new open. This is season three. I'm so excited that all of you are here. And I have to say, there has been so much uh, chat in the opening of this. And I just wanted to get some of these uh, some of these comments in because they were cracking me up. Proposing that tonight, instead of a moment of silence, we do a feminist rage primal scream. And uh, there was just a lot of a lot of agreement um, with that I see here. And I want to try and get to some of these other comments. Um, <laughs> did someone mention primal scream? Like, did I miss it? Uh, it, was, it was, let's see here. Who else we have? Uh, Lorelai is here as well. We've got Anna is here. Um, Anna was supposed to join us for uh, a little bit of green room time, but we had some trouble getting you on. And I'm so sorry. We will make sure to get you in. Um, let's see here. Uh, Davey, I've lost track. There's so many comments. Bart, yes, there are Bart. so many comments. Hi, Peculiars. <laughs> How you doing? They're so good. They're really excited. We've got hope... people from Houston. First off, round of applause for the claymation for Brandy. I mean, come on. The new Peculiar Open. Incredible. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted something um, a little bit fancy, as Sharon points out. Yes. Um, and I, we, we wanted to do something that was a little bit more you know, in keeping with how we've expanded as a group. And so I'm so excited that we could do that. So you might notice, I look a little glamorous today. I have a little bit of fancy going on here. Yes, well, I decided to come dressed as Sappho because I am reading about Socrates and Sappho right now because I'm doing this research on the book about Hirschfeld and the Trans Clinic. It is also Non-Binary Persons Day, which is super exciting. Uh, I don't look particularly non-binary today, but trust me, I am. In addition to that... Sappho being the lesbian poet of love. And I also thought I could kind of like do double duty as like Athena, goddess of war. Maybe. But that's not the main event tonight, guys. No, it main is event. Not. No, it is not. The main event, main event's a vagina. But <laughs> more importantly, it's Rachel E. Gross. Ta da! It was an ink explosion just for you, Rachel. This is incredible. The production value is unlike anything I've experienced. <laughs> we do a lot with a little. Um, we do. We do. Athena uh, had an owl, and I do have an owl in my backyard, in fact. Uh, hi, and Rachel. I how long did it take to make the opening, Lorelai asks. You guys don't really actually want to know how long it took. Um, I saw someone say, hello, less glamorous Davey. But Davey is sporting... One of our t-shirts. I, I am themed. You know, I, I got the shirt on tonight. I know people probably people probably don't want to hear from me tonight. You know, I don't really fit the theme of the episode. But That's I will say true, that actually. this book did hit home because uh, the Davy baby, I have a son who's three months yep. old, was conceived, yep. I'll let you know, through IVF. So this book really did hit home. We learned, oh, me and my wife cool. listened together, and we learned a lot. That's awesome. That is I'm awesome. So yeah. Vaginas are for everyone. So I'm very <laughs> glad you appreciate it. Tracy says, adore this book. And um, we also have like, Davey was actually posting pictures of wonderful vagina trees, which I thought was super cool. See, oh, I uh, can pull it. Yeah, maybe later I'll put the end up uh, picture of the vagina tree. Good evening, Rachel. Thank you for writing a book where I can blithely tell people, yes, I'm reading a book about vaginas. I listened uh, to it on tape and I kept laughing. People were like, what are you laughing about? And I'd be like, okay, so these ducks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get into the ducks. We and will all. get into ducks. Yes. Um, Rachel has groovy earrings too. They do. Can you get a little closer so we can really see them? Let's see, I have a collection of vulval earrings and these were my toned down ones, but I did have to raise the bar to match Brandy who looks fabulous. <laughs> Thank you very much. Do you want to show off your uh, wall of vulvas back there? 
absolutely. Um, yes, it is technically the wall of vulvas, but great wall of vagina does have a sound to it, which we like. So um, I do not buy pictures of vulvas, but my friends all bring me them. So I ended up having to do an entire wall, having to do an entire wall um, dedicated to the vulvas people bring me. And it's my happy place over here in the corner. I love it. I love it. Um, Susan, uh, what, we have many Susans, but one of our Susans says, I'm so into vagina art. Uh, she also said that I get to tell my doctor that if he ever prescribed boric acid, that he'd punch, she'd punch him in the face, which I think is fantastic. Um, O'Keefe esque, yes, there's a lot of O'Keefe going on back there. Um, oh, and yes to the primal scream. Back to that primal scream. I don't scream very well, actually. It comes out more of like a, you know, but we could all do that. Everybody ready to like grr? We could do that. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Yeah, good. Awesome. This is already so awesome, says Lorelai Peterson. Oh, I love your people. I love this group. That's so why I said, you guys, listen, she was worried about doing over-the-top jewelry, and I was like, no, there's there's no over-the-topping this particular group of people. <laughs> you are among friends here. So, um, yes, it is going to be an amazing night. I want to say a quick word about cocktails, because uh, which is misnamed, a vagina cock. This is a vagina tale this evening. Uh, and uh, it's, it's very lovely and red and, and pretty. And I accidentally froze mine. Um, so it's a cold, a cold cocktail. Um, we had a couple of name variations, uh, several of which were provided by Rachel, which is, which is awesome. And the winning cocktail name actually ended up being Rachel's Choice um, uh, <laughs> Sexual Autonomy on the Beach. Sexual Autonomy on the Beach is the winning name of this lovely cocktail but the runner-up name which we decided to give to the mocktail was the shum shumlipin shumlipin <laughs> oh my god really <laughs> oh dear that's lovely. quite a situation that was cat cat who is our cocktail maven that was actually her contribution and that got the second most uh second number of votes so i'm um, very excited about this evening having this lovely cocktail and this lovely book I had so much fun reading this. Did you guys have fun reading this? Vaginas are so awesome. <laughs> it's just amazing. So um, this book, you guys, I know you've read it because I've seen conversations happening on Facebook and on Twitter and people talking about how they've recommended it to all their friends and read it on trains. Um, it was definitely a super, super fun thing to read. And what I'd like to know um, while we're waiting for pe people actually do write their questions and they're probably doing that right now. If you aren't, go ahead. It always takes a couple of seconds. There's, we're a little bit off center. So um, we get the, uh, the questions and comments a little bit after they write them. So we're waiting for those to, to fill in. I always like to start off by just asking, what was it like to write a book about vaginas? Uh, a fair <laughs> question. Um, it meant a lot of, code switching whenever I explained to new people what I was doing. Um, like I was recently at a wedding in Pakistan um, that my brother was involved in and it was very difficult to talk about my work. And so I have all sorts of variations like reproductive biology or women's health. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's been a journey learning other people's comfort level, I think. Um, I think it's just so revealing how people react to this. Um, even like how agents reacted to the idea originally when I had it, I remember meeting with a male agent and, um, sorry, I'm in Brooklyn, so you'll hear a few sirens and things. Um, so 
I remember saying like, explaining the kind of the pitch of the book. Uh, this is like a journey to the center of the female body. We're kind of looking at all these organs called the reproductive organs in a new light and reimagining them. Um, and he looked at me and he was like, well, men aren't going to read your book, but that's okay because men don't buy books. And I was like, <laughs> miss the point here. <laughs> um, so it, it took a while to find people that got the concept. Mm -hmm. uh, I did find it both important and fun. Like I, I really do use the Miss Frizzle comparison a lot because that was a formative show for me. I don't know about you, but just this like wondrous dive into the body and learning mm -hmm. the craziest facts about all bodies. Cause really it turned out that the vagina and like the idea of the female body was a window into how amazing all bodies are and how much more common, more similar they are than different. Right. Right. Um, I mean, bodies do, I mean, I, I did a, my research, my last book was on the brain and um, it's just astounding to realize like, we're not, you know, we think of octopus. We're like, Oh, octopi, they're super alien. They've got, brains and their tentacles and also a central brain, but we're not that different. We've got neurons everywhere. You know, so you just, the bodies are just a fascinating thing. Um, but I want to get to a couple questions here. So Keza, she, several people have mentioned this already. How did you decide on the art? It is, it is gorgeous. Like I want to frame it and put it on my wall. And I'm just curious, how did this happen? I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. Um, I'm so glad you asked that question because it's my favorite thing to talk about with this book. Um, so Armando Veve is the artist and we got paired together for um, a story I did years ago for the New York Times. It was like why women on the pill need to have their periods. And it was a history of how the pill was invented to give a fake period. Um, mm -hmm. And when I looked at it, it had this gorgeous picture of like a pill container with a like pearly egg on top and these sperm like encircling it kind of, kind of scarily. Um, and he had done the whole, the whole spread with all these kind of whimsical details, it was very um, kind of precise anatomical sketches with like flowers and birds coming out of it and mm -hmm. imagination and sense of fun. And I was like, that is how I've been thinking about the body that we do want this to feel like scientific anatomical illustrations, but yeah. they're so much unknown. There's all these like tendrils of whimsy and the unexpected. So there's all these Easter eggs on the cover that I would love to point out. Um, it's hard to see it, but uh, above and to the left of the hourglass, um, in the there's a big bubble in the back. There's a flying clitoris that we call the clitorodactyl. Um, oh, yeah, nice. yeah, the mouse I is all about it. Down, down, um, <laughs> a little bit down. Yeah, I'll tell you where it is. Um, uh, She'll tell you. It's not dating. Yeah, I do this a lot. <laughs> the clitoris is a little bit higher. Um, so anyway, and there's also there's a sperm dragonfly who's dying in a Volvo pitcher plant, pitcher plant, um, Volvo fluid. Yeah, I, I saw that's up at the top in the corner, isn't it? In the yes, there you go. There he is. There he is yeah, yeah. not big fans of this cover. I I saw that one. <laughs> I was oh. on that. <laughs> yeah, so I was just so lucky. I basically reached out to him, and we just had this mind meld, and we ended up talking for hours on Zoom throughout the project, um, and just kind of trying to create a world. Like, what would the world of the female body, as we call it? look like if it was unbound from all these oh my god I want so many of these as tattoos Tracy um yeah like what were the themes and the metaphors that we were interested in bringing to the surface and each chapter starts with one of these kind of vignettes um there's one where the uterus is kind of a chameleon shedding its skin um yeah that's cool 
And of course the clitoris iconic, this like edifice with roots reaching into the earth. That's very like strong and intimidating, which I love. Oh yeah. The ev- illustration for the ovaries chapter. That is, that is, that is priceless. And that was kind of a 2000 under the sea kind of thing where. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. I was trying to find, I just missed a question that's, oh yeah. Uh, Kristen Meston uh, pointed out, and, and this is really interesting, that you become more comfortable talking and thinking about them while you're reading the book, just partly from hearing the words. Um, I was a professor at a small Midwestern university that I will re- allow to remain unnamed. And uh, I was talking about a Victorian device, anti-masturbation device. And when I said the word masturbation, one of my students fell out of her desk and like onto the floor. No. Wow, are you okay? did you fall out of your chair because I said masturbation? And she was like, ah! And a whole bunch of us So I had them all practice saying it. So I had them singing it. So we were like singing like masturbation. And then the chair of my department just walks by like. <laughs> oh so I, I well remembered uh, for what I did in the few years. In that classroom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the, the duck vagina biologists that's in chapter three, she opens a lot of her classes by making everyone repeat after her clitoris vagina feel <laughs> to feel comfortable with these terms. Sorry, I can't stop reading these comments. They're hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my mom would love to go across the street and give her retired friends a copy of the book and say it's vagina obscura. And she loves to tell them about the clitoris now. So I think it does provide an opening, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> talk about these things and make them less shameful and stigmatized. And that's really a huge theme of the book is like how wonderful and enlightening and revealing these conversations can be when we're not kind of uh, stuck in ourselves and in the sense of shame and silence. Well, and you know, I worked in a medical museum and of course my, my dissertation research was also about women's bodies. And I did a lot with birth 18th century, the shift between man midwives to female midwives and birth. And so like all kinds of animal, uh, animal, and that anatomical tables of like cut in half vaginas and things that, and just because of the district museum, Davy, Davy knows the district museum had a huge collection mm-hmm. in books. Not to not. Yes. Syphilitic genitalia. I do try to get those words into almost every show we do. Just, just syphilitic genitalia. Were those the words? Yeah, those are the words. <laughs> you pronounce that without a hitch. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That we sounds- loved we loved going to Brandy lectures at, at where we, me and Brandy used to work together because we knew we were in for a treat. What should we do today? Oh, I have a question from uh, Silver Blue Queen. Says, which topic did you find taught you the most? Because you know sometimes we have our most favorite topic or the one we think is most interesting. But where did you? Where were you? Like, I did not know that. I mean. I'm not embarrassed to say that I, my mind was blown with every single organ, like everything (laughs) I thought I knew, I did not know at all. Um, So I guess the first thing that blew my mind was the book, as you all know, starts with kind of a personal story of how Mm -hmm. I accidentally swallowed my vagina poison that was prescribed to put in my vagina to I, you. I was like with you I was like I was driving you there I just I was there I was like, no one's gonna relate to this because nobody else swallows their suppositories but it struck a nerve um 
So basically that did lead me down a rabbit hole into learning about the vaginal microbiome, which I never thought of in that way. And I was a science editor. So I was absolutely following like the birth of microbiome science and seeing how hot it was and reading Ed Yong's I Contain Multitudes. And so like the idea of this invisible world and like more microbes than there are like stars in the sky was in my head, but you'd never thought of it for other parts of your body that we're basically kind of trained not to think about. So yeah. I started reading more about it, how there was this balance, like of a healthy, thriving garden that might have some like weeds and non-native <laughs> plants, but it totally is balanced out and like has its own thing going. Um, I just began picturing this other world with like lakes and crevices and kind of this entire planet down there. Um, yeah. And that really started me thinking the Miss Frizzle and then realizing that people were finally tapping into this reality that there is an ecosystem of protection that separates you from not you and is really an extension of your immune system. And that if you learn how to tweak it reliably, you could maybe protect a lot more women and help them be more healthy in childbirth and pregnancy um, and prevent the shitty month that I had um, as well. So that, that was just so fun. So I love to talk to everyone I knew about all the bugs in the vagina. And I, well, you know, so it's funny. Um, Susan was saying, the other Susan was saying, uh, Susan, Brandy's probably great in an awkward moment of silence. It's true. Because when I say things like syphilitic genitalia, but I feel like you're on board now, Rachel. Like if there's just an awkward moment of silence, you feel pressure of speech, you'd be like, you know what else about vaginas? <laughs> Handle. <laughs> so true. I have like a running list of fun facts in my head. I'm like, oh, you didn't laugh. That's okay. I laugh. No, it's good. It's good. Kristen Messner was saying, what's it like to write such a positive book about a subject that has started from such a place of mystery, misery, mystery, I almost said, but misery. Honestly, absolutely both, Brandy. Um, yeah. That's such a beautiful, thoughtful question. Because um, I, I was really hoping that the sense of hope would come across as I wasn't sure. Like the reality is that the history of gynecology and the history of anatomy is incredibly dark, sexist, and racist. And like, I knew I had to kind of tread that ground and really be honest about how like American gynecology begun with non-consensual experiments on enslaved black women. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's like really important to understanding this, this kind of like quest to conquer the female landscape or whatever you call it. And it's really important to understanding how different what this new generation of researchers is doing today. Um, so I definitely got like admired and depressed in a lot of the history. And there were just these recurring trends, like gynecology is apparently really bad about doing experiments on vulnerable subjects, often without consent. Like just, it was, it did not stop at like the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Yeah. It was every step of the way. Um, it's interesting to me. As a matter of fact, uh, we should start a club and we should meet regularly because, of course, I'm writing a book on the history of the interwar trans clinic. And I'm also like just spending a lot of time crying on my floor. Um, it's just a really depressing history. You know, uh, you're looking back at these things and you're seeing all the potential for growth and yes. things and then going, oh, we messed that up. Um, we could have done nice things. Yeah, we could have done so much better. Um, yeah. But I think, too, um, how so? So, for instance, J. Marion Sims. When I when I taught at the museum, we I would bring this up a lot because we'd have tours, and um, some people in the museum community don't really like you 
walking down those upsetting avenues, right? But it's necessary. Uh, I I remember having one of the museum goers saying like, how come there's no black people in this museum? And I was like, (laughs) excellent question. Complicated, sad and depressing answer. Like because they were so, you know, they were suppressed. They were the subjects of research frequently Yes. And they don't end up in the in the, you know in the official record, and it's it's super depressing, not represented, right? But I like I did legitimately find hope in because each chapter is sort of becomes like an in depth profile of either a past or present researcher who's reimagining these organs, like as you see, and the fact that they're so radically challenging what was found before, including these assumptions about what is normal and ideal, which is often like the white Western male. Um, Even like researchers looking at the vaginal microbiome saying, hey, a lot of this past work really centered white vaginas and said, this is healthy. No other kind of vagina is legitimate. Other ones are disordered or dysbiotic. And finally, you're having people say, wait a minute, actually, there may be many ways of eating a Reese's cup and they all may be legitimate. Or we have to ask why these differences exist and not assume that it's just because of racial biology right. or gender biology in other, in other, or, you know, or whatever else. I mean, it's always this, 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 this hierarchy, this hierarchical sense of how things happen, which is often completely false. Um, so Sky asks us, he says, as a woman in society, what was the hardest, weirdest part for you to research or write? I know when I teach, I have, this is Sky talking, when I teach, I have to force myself to discuss things casually so I'm a bit behind in the comfort zone. Yeah. For some reason, the easiest thing to write, which is not answering your question, so I'm sorry, <laughs> but was the clitoris stuff. Like, okay. I just found that I loved the excuse to talk about it, and I loved watching certain people get uncomfortable in the audience and other people really latch on and be like, I love mm-hmm. the clitoris. Like, I'm going to share these facts. I love her. Um, so that was really satisfying to me. Um the hardest or weirdest? Mm. Okay, actually, I found some of the ovary stuff challenging. Um, so I think we just kind of forget sometimes about the ovaries' second role of producing body-wide hormones that support every body system. And that was the case for me. I was like, I know this, but I've forgotten, and I'm going to dig into this. Um, but kind of a lot of the researchers I talked to and a lot of the ways that these organs were described were so much about like women as reproductive vessels. Like we have these eggs, like the uterus is just waiting for one to become implanted so that the eventual fetus appears, which is fated to happen because that's what women are for. Um, I think that even I struggled against some of that language and some of those tropes. Um, and I was also talking about menopause in that chapter, which like I haven't experienced myself. I ended up talking to my mom more about it for sure. And a lot of other women. Um, but I realized like sometimes there'd be tinges of ageism or just like words that I wouldn't use now um, that I would use to describe them. Like people talk about ovaries, like shriveling up or withering away. Like that's not the case and it's just really loaded language and I had to kind of confront the fact that I was stuck in those habits as well it's it's really interesting I I, I will just say here too that um so I'm non-binary uh and I'm very uncomfortable around certain aspects of of you know woominess uh (laughs) right 
because um, I am married. I am married to a man. Um, you guys have met Lady Paws, so he's not like a man man in the usual sense of things. But uh, but I am married to a man, and there was a lot of expectations that we were since we had that going on. We must be a cishet couple, and we were going to have kids. Oh. And like that wasn't what's was going to happen. And in fact, I'm I'm deeply un, unsettled and uncomfortable about the idea. Like I think of myself as not in a particular binary of gender. So um, I remember I was I was conscious as I was reading your book that you were being careful and I could tell that you were being careful in, in, because it's very, very hard. It's so um, there's a lot of trauma attached to a lot of these concepts uh, for lots of people and not to discount. Uh, so for women, obviously, but also for people who aren't women, for people like my, my, my spouse, he has his own kind of trauma related to certain expectations that were driven and kind of this idea that he would have children, you know, just all these kinds of things. So I yeah. appreciated the fact that you had, you were very careful. I don't know how, whether you had beta readers or if this is just your own careful way of constructing these things, but I noticed and I, I appreciated it. I'm so glad. Um, both. I definitely had some reviewers from like feminist scientists um, who gave me great tips. I also had some of the people in the book um, look over, especially the chapter on gender affirmation surgery and the afterwards on intersex rights and non-consensual genital surgeries. Um, those were places where I was just absolutely concerned about getting it right to somebody else's experience that I knew I had never been in. And I think I used all the tools of journalism that I have in the past, which is just listening closely, spending a lot of time with people and doing your research. But it also really mattered to me that they felt represented well. And I knew that even like a word could come off as like offensive or misunderstanding. Um, so for instance, Bo Laurent, um, who was basically the founder of the intersex community in America is in the afterward. And I had her look at some of that material um, and she pointed out a lot of really great things, including that an enlarged clitoris, which is what doctors often refer to intersex people with a larger than usual clitoris um, as having was like a, a, a really alienating term to her. It suggested there was some like process of growth that hadn't stopped and mm -hmm. like enlarged compared to what um, you definitely don't want to say larger than you can say larger than average, but just the way that we think about these terms, like there's such a breadth of genital variation is what I learned that it's super arbitrary where we decide to draw the lines on who is not normal and who falls outside of this ideal. And she put it best where she described a fallow meter. She actually like invented this. It's like a little ruler. And basically in the past, doctors looked at a baby and if their phallus, their clitoris, penis, whatever, um, was larger than this certain amount, then they were going to be a boy. And if it was smaller, they were going to be a girl. Um, wow. And that just gives you a sense of how arbitrary these gender boxes can be. And where the book really ended up was how much harm putting these narrow binary cultural ideas of gender and sex onto real bodies and onto scientific knowledge um, has gotten us and what a limited lens that has resulted in. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really true. Um, just a couple of new things here. We, Susan Cotter suggested that we all sing masturbation too, because that, that is a fun one. It's a good word. It's got a lot of syllables. Kathleen, who is our drinks maven, our cocktail maven, she actually just arrived. She was a little bit delayed. 
And so uh, welcome to Kathleen for joining us. We're, we're enjoying, we're enjoying. I hope it, um, if you guys are, are drinking your own cocktails and, or if you're having like variations on them, please feel free to share. Oh my gosh, um, would love it. Fun, right? Um, but before we do that, because we're about 7.30, 7.30, I, wa I wanna make sure that we have, have time. We've got a couple of fun things planned for you in this, our first episode of season three. And one of them gets a little bit to some of the things Sky was saying, some of the things you were just saying about uh, expectations and norms and where they come from and how the medical system can be really problematic. So if Davey uh, could uh, perhaps cue up the um, your guns and lady paws have chosen to do a little sketch for us today. And so take it away, finger guns and lady paws. Hello, sorry oh, I'm late. Yes, have a seat, Mr. Bradford. <laughs> Hi. Just Hi. Here for my regular checkup for the uh, year. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so you're here for a, a vaginal exam? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how long have you had this uh, vagina? How long? Uh, I mean, it's mine. Uh, that's good. Um, uh, and have you attended to all regularly scheduled uh, maintenance? Uh, on it. Scheduled maintenance? Yes, yes. I don't know. I, uh, I'm not sure see, I follow up. These are just standard questions. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, okay, that that's good. Yes. Um, I, I, I see your age here. Uh, looks like you are out of warranty. Oh. Uh, yes. And um, by that, what I mean is you'll need all your uh, fluids flushed and uh, your seals replaced. I, I'm, I'm not a car. I, I know my own body. Right, right. Um, I didn't mean to offend. Uh, so, um, is this a new or, or used vagina? I'm not staying here for this. It, uh... My goodness, what what was that all about? That young lady was indeed very upset. Uh, yeah, you don't want to know. Women, as if they know their own bodies. <laughs> yeah. Can I get some Viagra? Uh... Sure. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. good, good. Yeah. I don't need to sign any papers. Or... No, 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 you're no. fine. No, we yeah. have plenty on the shelf. As a matter of fact, I have oh, one in my bag. fantastic. There you Thank go. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. You. And they come with a free keys free keys to the kingdom. Free keys to the kingdom? Yeah, as right. well. Do I get a cigar? You, you, you get a cigar as well. <laughs> go get them, Tiger. <laughs> that was incredible. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Primal scream! Primal scream! You guys are um, so good. <laughs> she got a banana for her birthday, which is which is helping. Congratulations! Yeah, that actually. So believe it or not, that was that was finger guns. Uh, or sorry, that was Lady Paw's idea. That's uh, Mark. Um, I had a, a, an appointment with a gynecologist because I thought I had a UTI because I've had them because I have them. I know how this works. And I went, and they were like. Oh, we don't think you've got one. I was like, why? <laughs> like, well, the numbers aren't high enough. I was like, they're not. And they're like, I, I said, but there's blood in my urine. They were like, well, there is. But like, you know, it doesn't match this little. I was like, what do you think it is? And they're like making up stuff. They're like, I, maybe aliens. Uh, maybe, you know, I was like, could it possibly be that I just have a UTI? Could I just have the medicine for the UTI? So when I was telling Mark this story, he was like, he just went right into like, have you had your fluids checked? Have you? So this is, this is Mark's idea. Um, your oil refills. <laughs> I had my oil. Yeah, have I had oil, regular oil changes, regularly scheduled maintenance? So that's where that came from. But I thought I thought you might appreciate that. We do have 
a couple of other, um, uh, another sketch for you later and also some music coming up. Um, but I see some, I, I, you guys, questions. my gosh, they filled in while I was, while we were playing that. So I'm trying to catch up here. Oh my um, God. We're processing how great that was. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Too, right? I mean, it's, like, it's definitely yeah. making me think about how, yeah. I mean, women are constantly and people with these body parts are often questioned and not believed, but there is a sense of authority and knowledge that people have about their bodies that I saw again and again, when I talked to people who had had like endometriosis or fibroids um, and they knew something was wrong for years. And it often still took 10 years to get a diagnosis. And like, I'm really interested in how we can fix that gap, that bridge between medical authority, which can often be paternalistic and mm -hmm. use different language and people's like really important felt embodied knowledge about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Laurel, I was talking about, and I have a friend also with PCOS. I had a friend who actually had uh, such bad endometriosis that it had like absorbed most of her uterus and gotten into her bowels. And when she wanted to get a yeah. hysterectomy, they asked her to have her, her husband had to come in and sign a form saying he was okay with it. That's here in Ohio. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. And someone just mentioned that when they had PCOS that, um, the doctor is more concerned about like their reproduction and fertility. And this is something I've become very passionate about because it was just such a pattern I found in the book that medicine historically has cared about women, people with uteruses as reproductive bodies and really to the detriment of learning about everything else that this whole system and constellation of organs is doing for us throughout our lives. So I think I do harp on that a lot, but the fact that we didn't get a gynecology branch of the NIH until 2014, right. and even then it's still underneath the Institute for Child Health and Development. Child like, Health and Development, of, of course, of course. Apologize for the ringing phone. Um, uh, I think it's Mark's phone. I don't know where it is. But I can hear it ringing. Somebody. Um, so I have a couple questions here. Uh, one from Susan Cutters. Did you cover the word cunt? There's a great TED Talk on that by Whores of Yore that really gives us a history of sex work and reproduction. I was just wondering if you came across it. Oh, um, we should link to that, actually. Because, no, I don't get into that too much. So I remember the word coming up a lot when I was an English major, learning, like, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales and even, like, puns in Shakespeare. Um, and there was also the slang, like, nothing for vagina that comes up in Shakespeare a lot. And the I, Exactly. Um, so I think it's fascinating how how, like slang language reflects certain things um i think i did kind of focus within medicine a little more and that wasn't used in the medical literature i was looking at um but i'm i would be fascinated to know more i also really love the reclamation of pussy recently so like pussypedia um there are great arguments yeah like <laughs> Because there really is a problem about having a lack of, A, a word for the whole reproductive system, which just saying that or saying female reproductive system already limits how you're looking at it. Um, there's also just not a word that contains everything. And so it's an argument that like at least pussy can be like the vagina and vulva and can be something that people can say proudly. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to work in medicine, but definitely well, has been. Somebody was, uh, was talking about like... Some some Twitter question about like, do you shave your vulva? And it's like, no. <laughs> like real dis real un misunderstandings about where all the pieces are and what they're for. And um, 
Yeah. yeah. Every time I write an article, the editor comes back and is like, so people don't know what a vulvar clitoris is. So you're going to have to like back up and explain that. And I'm like, really? Still? It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, back to our, our discussion about lovely alcohols. Uh, Rebecca is having whiskey on the rocks, which I had last time. And Kays has got, uh, is, is, she's having a party diet today. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question from Kristen Meston. I want to cover a few more and then we're going to go to our musical number and then we're going to catch back up. But I just wanted to, also, if I missed your question, there's a lot, um, feel free to repost it. Um, they roll really fast. And so sometimes I miss them as they come through. Uh, Kristen says, as a person who is on the autism world, uh, I was fascinated by starting to think about normal with yeah. this subject, just like you think about it with, say, neurobiology, because normal, as my mother says, is a setting on a dryer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, that was another theme that like I couldn't get away from. It was like medicine was obsessed with defining what the normal range was, and the normal range was very, very narrow. Um <laughs> I think the best example was um, um, Robert Latow Dickinson, who I talk about as like, in some ways he really like led the way, championed the vibrator, but he helped make these sculptures of what the perfect normal American should look like. They were literally named Norma and Norman, and they were just ah. like Greek gods, like very clearly like white plaster, like kind of Aryan looking. And they inspired, like, actually in Ohio, these contests of who looked the most like Norma and, like, they would measure your measurements like a Barbie. Um, and so it's even he who was really fascinated by variation and he would illustrate, like, these beautiful um, spectrum of vulvas, uh, even though he had some weird ideas about how they got to what they were. It, it's like, for some reason, they didn't take it into account, like, maybe these are all normal. And... The word normal is kind of a violent normative word that kind of tells you you need to fit in this box. Um, and, and that was every step of the way about what's a normal uterus, what's a normal vaginal microbiome, um, what's a normal level of hormones. Um, and often I think that those assumptions just hadn't been really questioned. It was just like what was most common or what was most often found in like well-to-do white women that became the norm. Um, yeah, um, which, you know, and this is a, I mean, trans, transitioning to, uh, to discussions of people who are, do not consider themselves women, but nonetheless have uteruses um, or vaginas, it, this whole concept of, there is no set of exact measurements for anything. And when you started talking about the ducks, I mean, I loved that. I love the whole, like, I almost feel like as much as I hate to do this, um, Davey, I think we might have to go with your video before we get to the song because it's, it's, Oh my God. Yeah. I, I, I took a lot of inspiration from that duck chapter. I, I felt of all the chapters in the book, it was something that I could actually see a little bit. I'm so glad Davey. I'm so excited. So with that, I now present to you peculiar book club duck sex education. All right, little ducklings, gather around. It's time for duck sex education class. Now, the first lesson we're going to go over today is that different ducks have different biological needs. You male ducks, you're biologically programmed to try to procreate as much as possible, while the female ducks are biologically programmed to be a little bit more selective with their partners, choose their mating partner. Now, the key to this is communication, which takes us to lesson number two. Quack means quack. Now, male ducks, 
if she says quack to you, you got to understand and you got to go find another duck to try to procreate with. Female ducks, use your voice. Let those male ducks know quack means quack. Now that takes us to lesson number three, which is female ducks, use what you've got. Your vagina is a mysterious cave of twists and turns and dead ends where sperm goes to die. So use it. Trap those sperm in an endless loop of wrong turns and misdirections until there's nothing left. Female ducks, you've been given an incredible tool here. So when those male ducks come at you with their spiral penises, they're not going to get you pregnant like they think they are. All right, ducklings, remember our lessons here. Remember your unique biology. Remember quack means quack. And remember that your vagina is an endless cave where sperm go to die. All right, that's our lesson for today. Now everybody is heading to recess where we're going to play a rousing game of Duck, Duck, Goose. <laughs> I was thinking Davy Baby was going to turn up at any at any moment. No, Davy Baby's not ready for this conversation yet. No, no. Baby. I, that was my other idea. I thought maybe I could interview him because of all of us, he is probably the most intimate with the workings of the vagina. Yes. That's true, actually. Okay. Oh my God, I was dying. Did I, so did I get my science right on all that? I was trying. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Um, yes, duck consent is a hard thing to talk about because ducks are not people. Um, but the endless cave where sperm go to die, perfect. Um, yeah, that was perfect. pretty awesome. I was I was very much enjoying that, I have to say. Um, uh, yeah, wow. I... I, I <laughs> Yeah, kudos. This is such an honor. Um, yeah, like scientists talk about cryptic female choice a lot, by which they mean these like internal mechanisms that like mess with sperm. Um, but it's definitely interesting, even when they're saying like, hey, the female duck has some really cool biology going on. And actually, there's some like autonomy in a strict physical sense going on here. They're still like, but the sperm are traversing this, like the sperm are the players on a vast playing field and like and they describe the female as like deceitful in the way that she enacts cryptic choice like oh God. she's screwing over the male sperm so there's still all these little like weird little yeah little you're like what? was pointing out like but variation is massive in human beings right so she was talking about the international space international space station designed for fifth percentile I can't read words. Japanese female to 95th percentile American male. So having to have this like super, super wide. I don't, I only had one of these. I don't know. Cat is your fault. There there is some great art installations where uh, these things are on display. The great wall of vagina is a a big art installation. Cunts and other conversations is another one. And we may be getting into some more vagina art as we get into our quiz later. Caesar. Yeah. (laughs) Well, without further ado, because I keep promising it, but not delivering it. um, It is time once again for our music of the evening. Now I have to let you guys know tonight we have charming disaster, which is, which is quite recent, quite regular for us, but in future, we're going to have brand new musicians. So we're going to be promoting new music as well as Charming Disaster. Charming Disaster will still be here most of the time. So tonight, without further ado, we have Charming Disaster. I'm going to be doing my hat picks for a couple people winning peculiar socks. 
Um, and we'll be back for the Davy Quiz. Hello, Peculiars. It's Charming Disaster. And we have a song for you. Called Darkened, Darkened Room. You all can keep your comment That life don't suit me well This is my finest moment Here's another story you When I was just a baby An orphan with no home The spirits came to save me Taught me how to manage on my own How many arms and legs has she? Keep a close eye on her hands and feet You might be a little pinch or two Is it just us in the dark not claymation but anyway <laughs> that was right there i guess there's a little bit at the end there what was that song called <laughs> darkened room so that is charming disaster and most of you are aware um there are there are band traditionally uh, they even get a little mention in the uh claymation i have to say um they do amazing. our theme song too rachel yeah, our theme song as well yes um and and they will be in cleveland uh, coming up, and I made an announcement on Facebook that um, now, right at this very moment, I'm forgetting the date. I think it's July 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know because you've seen the Facebook, please say so. <laughs> but I have extra tickets, so if you, uh, Davy, if you wanted to come, if anyone else wants to wants to hang out with us, oh and go see them. And we have our banner, our little peculiar banner. We're going to show 
uh, we, we take banners to events, author events, when, when we can. So it would be Thursday, the 21st, July 21st. Yeah. Oh, actually, they're going to be at the 22nd, the 23rd, the 20th. They're going to be here all weekend. Saturday. Which one's Saturday? Is that the 23rd? Oh, boy. Now you're now you're making me check multiple things here. I'm sorry, Danny, but I think it's the 23rd. Anyway, you can come hang out with me. Uh, you can hold a banner with me. We can shout and scream and, and carry on and sing wonderful songs. With Charming yes, Disaster. 23rd. That was so mesmerizing. Lovely. Yeah, I love them so much. Mm. Um, they've stayed with me before at my house. They're friends of mine, and I love them, and they're great. But we have some really cool other people coming on uh, as well. So um, I have a couple of questions that have popped up that I want to get to, and then we're going to jump right into the Davy quiz because, oh, my God, you're going to love this one. This one's going to be so good. If you can't tell, we're kicking off season three with a long episode tonight. It's true. It's true. What can you say? Um, Susan's like, who has a book club with live music? How great is that? I know, um, right, Susan? <laughs> but Sky's like, secrets out. Charlie Disaster is actually playing <laughs> music. <laughs> I did it, you guys. It's me all along. Breaking news. Um, yes. So anyway, uh, I've lost track of my questions that I was going to ask. Brandy might have been, in, she might be inspired by other musical guests in season three. So you will see her claymation popping up in other musical performances. Well, you do that claymation yourself? Oh my yeah, that's God. Me. Rachel, that. not only that, she's like taught herself how to do that in like six months. I swear. <laughs> Unless time's just been flying. Like, this makes Wallace and Gromit look like children's play. Like, that was, <laughs> you had like a leather jacket with perfect texture. It's unbelievable. We had a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun with it, yeah. Um, I done with my pandemic. I learned to roller skate and then broke my ankle immediately. Oh, no. oh yeah, no, that's that's not good. That's but roller that's skating bad. does have to come back, but that's another conversation. That's true. That's true. I I could make roller skating. You know, I could make roller skating claymation. Oh my gosh! Can I hire you to, to make me a claymation avatar that can do cooler tricks than I can? And have you roller? That would be awesome. Okay. I can't find the question I was looking for. So I'm going to look for it while we hop yeah. into the quiz. <laughs> All right. So let me pull up now this one, Rachel. Uh, I kind of went above and beyond for this one because it needed it. It needed full page I, I graphics. We couldn't just have, have half page graphics. Now the quiz is called painting the origin of the world, which is a reference to a famous painting uh, about the vagina. And so this is all about vagina art. Now, this first one, I did not know what art you were going to have over your shoulder. This first one's a gimme. But I'm going to read the question anyways for everybody playing at home. And the Peculiars will help you out in the chat. So uh, fans and critics continue to see vagina and vulva imagery in this American modernist artist's work, despite the artist saying over and over that is just your own Freudian interpretations of their work. Who is the artist? Is it A, Mary Cassett? B, Georgia O'Keefe, or C, Agnes Martin. And am I the one playing this? You're the one playing. Yes, you are. Oh. You know, she's got a painting over her shoulder. The painting is called, that we're looking at, it's called Blue and Green Music. I I want to get this painting. This is beautiful. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do the Peculiars know in the chat? I'm waiting to see their... uh... Normally, they're jumping in. At this moment, they're all like, hmm. I'm quite familiar with Georgia. (laughs) There we go. There we go. (laughs) All right. What would you say the answer is, Rachel? What do you think? Georgia O'Keefe, or as I call her, Georgia O'Keefe. I don't know if she would approve of that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I know her pretty well, partially because when I was an editor at Smithsonian, I would do um, articles about reproductive biology and like robotic <laughs> and illustrate them. I'd have to find art that would be considered appropriate. So I hope she was okay with that. 
Yes, Georgia O'Keefe. Thank you. I mean, what did you what did you think about the whole like she insists that it's not vaginas, but I think the whole art world. It's really disappointing to me because, again, having looked at quite a lot of Georgia O'Keeffe's, I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to challenge her own her own words, but it feels like she was expressing in her work what she couldn't in interviews and words, or what she felt she couldn't, and. I still stand her as a champion of beautiful vulvas. <laughs> I appreciate the comments from the uh, peculiars. Believe me, I, I Googled vagina art and this came up. So I didn't do any miraculous work in finding this painting, but uh, the you internet helped me out on that one. The way I see it, right? Like I'm a writer. I write stuff. I write poetry and people are like, oh, that poem is so meaningful. It means this. And I'm always like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll go with that. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe, uh, maybe uh, yeah. It, it is going to get a little more challenging here. So question number two, Nikki de saint Fallet created this massive interactive installation for the Moderna Musite of Stockholm of a pregnant woman on her back where guests could blank. They could A, enter through a door in her vagina, B, slide down her legs, or C, witness a birth. What do you think? It's getting a little tougher now, Peculiars, I told you. And that's the installation uh, there on the right. It's called On En Cathedral. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it perfect, but uh, Skywalker thinks A, enter through a door in her vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Nodding along. I mean, that's that's what I want it to be because I want to go through that door and I want it to have like vaginal folds inside and that would be awesome and go up to the physics. So I will tell you, the answer is A, enter through a door in her vagina. And not only uh, can you go inside, but there is a whole museum inside. There's a whole amusement park inside. Uh, I got to find the, here we go. So once you go inside. um, Body's not, it's an amusement park. I I believe, (laughs) I feel like I'm quoting. I don't know if I love that, but your body is a wonderland. Her own website, actually, this is a womeninart.com article, uh, but there's a loveseat sofa, a planetarium, a gallery with fake artworks, a 12-seat cinema, an aquarium, a milk bar inside a breast, a fish pond, a coin telephone, a sandwich vending machine. Um, yeah, so there in a playground awesome. slide there. for the children. There's a there's a slide for children in there too. So the woman's, woman's body is providing sandwiches. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Take with that what for what you want from all the things you could do once you're in there. Wow. But yeah, there's a lot going on inside the vagina. There. How do I get there? <laughs> okay. I got to go to Stockholm, I guess. Obviously. All right. Question number three: A Japanese sculptor and manga artist Megumi Iragashi, aka Rokodenashiko has pushed back against her male-dominated culture with her artwork featuring Menko, the Japanese slang for vagina, or as we were talking about earlier, pussy. This includes her signature cartoon character, Menko-chan, and a th- which she's holding there in the photo, and a 3D scan of her own vagina, which she used to create what? Was it A, man train, a train you could ride through a vagina-shaped tunnel, man car, a three-wheeled vehicle with the vagina windshield, or C, man boat, a kayak with a vagina-shaped opening. Oh my God. <laughs> I told you this was going to get... I think she's come up on my Instagram, but... She's I... very, very cool, and v- I mean, really, really doing some good work in the feminist movement there in Japan. Yeah. Uh, 
fascinating. I, yeah, and so cute, adorable. I want one. <laughs> then, um, I think the Manko Chan, you could definitely get your hands on those. I bet, I bet you could find those around. Um, a lot so, of guessing, we're, they're kind of all over the place. No, I was going to say C just because I can see a kayak, like the shape of it, but I honestly the, don't know. The answer is. It is C. It is. And there's oh, the photo of it. There is man I think boat. there's a literal fold. There's a little yeah. thing on there, which I approve of. Anatomically I, accurate. Not, not only is it anatomically accurate, that's hers. That's her. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, the design is a bit big. Um, <laughs> it's it an artistic license there is what I mean. Yes. yes, um, yes. That is so cool. Like, I love it. And it's really functional. It's a kayak. It's a kayak. Yeah. There, there's another photo I could probably pull up somewhere of her actually riding in the boat. Yeah. So. Oh, this is so cool. You know, somehow I thought I came up with the whole man in the boat thing, but apparently we just all arrived there eventually. Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah, I know. This does seem like a reference to the to the phrase, but... Oh, yeah, wait, Sky. The man, uh, the man's uh, prefix does have to do with something in their language. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it is, it is a reference to the female anatomy. Uh, that pre that prefix. I love it. That's well, hilarious. I mean, even, even in English, vagina, which comes from Latin, means like a sheath for a sword. So there's definitely like the assumption of somebody who's going to be using it. Like who is centered? It's usually the man. Um, so just saying. Weird. Yeah. I will tell you, I, I was joking with my wife. I only got to the Wikipedia entry on vaginas and art, and I found all that. So just start there. <laughs> Just start there, and you are going to find a world of magic and wonder. I have so many more pieces for my wall. A, co a coworker told me she went through a, the man door in her garage, and I almost fell out of my chair. I had no idea what the hell that meant. Neither is that a thing. Wait, a man door. Okay. Um, I did. I did do my, my hat pick, though I'm not wearing a hat today. So I guess it's like I don't. Who knows where I got these names from? I mean. Um, but I have uh, Joanne and uh, Robin, and so here you go. Here are our hat pick winners, and they win socks. Yay! They win socks. So Joanne and Robin, I need you to email me so that I have your e uh, your address, and then you will receive socks. We have people from our our winners from our last show who sadly have still not received their t-shirts because we're still waiting for them to come in. However, the season three t-shirts are in. So the season three. Octopus holding all the accoutrements of murder. Those are in. Um, what we're waiting on is the uh, the other T-shirt, the T-shirt that has the peculiar book Bloody Club on it. So, yes, I love it. Oh, instead of the garage door for the car, the normal human-sized door to her house. Oh! So the human door. <laughs> like a cat door. Yes. Door. Ah, thank you. I went to kids' school in Texas. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, not, well, not right now in Texas. And, and don't forget right to send an email about that. Yes. Um, Brandy, we do have. I do have the uh, vagina tree pulled up. If people did not see it on Twitter, yeah. So, so Davey, oh, yes. around the woods, found a vagina tree. Like this. This is a. This is in my neighborhood. We walk past this all the time in our little nature trail. And my wife was like, "You have to send this to Brandy. You have to." In fact, she sent it out to all her friends. So there it is in all its glory. There's the vagina tree. A really healthy, maybe aroused vagina even. Because the vulva's yeah. a bit puffy, got a lot of blood going to it. Um, 
I diagnosed this tree as being in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and you can't, I mean, you come around a corner and it is right there. Uh, as as vaginas should be, frankly, they should just a little sign for it <laughs> to point it out as an anatomical lesson. Vagina, vagina tree, you know. <laughs> Since I started looking in my yard, while, Kristen says I started looking at my yard while I was sitting outside reading, and I saw vaginas everywhere. <laughs> Kristen, I used to have like a newsletter just for like my family and friends, and it had like a weekly picture of like things that look like vaginas, and it would be like. A peach pie or like a doorknob. It was just, yeah, you'll see it everywhere now. Welcome to my I world. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's because, of course, the phallic imagery is everywhere too. And so if you think about it, we just, have, we're just full of genitalia. I mean, it's just all over. China. Yeah. And I really, um, I have a friend, Sophia Wallace, who's an artist here in Brooklyn, and she's kind of known as, um, she kind of started the movement for clitoracy. And she's all about creating like an iconography of the clitoris. Um, that's these recognizable iconic shapes the same way that we have of the phallus. Like everybody knows like the Washington monument. Um, but I really love that. Like what would it mean if it was just part of our cultural lexicon and there were just like obvious clitoral and vulval shapes everywhere. I, I Johnson's friend does vaginal macrame. Can I, can I get one? Uh, <laughs> me up later. Is this like an Etsy? Cause I need more. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's funny because, of course, I wrote my last book on brains. And so people send me brain imagery. And so I've begun to think I should be careful about what I pick writing my books about. Right. <laughs> it's like, that girl, I'm here. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Vaginal macrame. Deep sigh. <laughs> yeah, that's hard to say. Vagina images seem more in our world than Jesus on toast. <laughs> yeah. They should be more celebrated, I think, and not just like, I mean, they are a curiosity, but they're fun. I'm loving it. It's so good. Um, this is that. What is it? This is that Woods cooking guy who is still famous for the chicken breast. What's that? Oh, <laughs> Sorry, oh, lost okay. oh, is it a vulgar chicken breast? Maybe. I, you know, I don't know because I, I sometimes lose track of the. <laughs> They're coming in fast, but yeah, it's good. I would like to ask, um, so it's already eight o'clock, but I feel like we could do this for hours more. Um, it's gone by so fast. Could you guys put in your last questions or anything that I may have missed uh, of your questions earlier for Rachel so that we can uh, send her off with appropriate stimulation? <laughs> <laughs> Randy, um, how we do that, would you like a little tour of the clitoris? I brought a prop. Yes. yes. Can we do that? Can I think we we're going to have to go to the solo layout out. for this one. <laughs> Okay, so this is a 3D printed clitoris, um, a little different than my normal ones. I have a variety, but um, as you read in the clitoris chapter, it's really a very extensive, deeply rooted structure. Um, but I, I found that it was super hard to picture it in my head spatially. It took me like months to really get it. So now I try to give my best explanation. So really, the angle's like this, and this head. Um, or, you know, they're so cute. I call them like a penguin spaceship figure. Some people see a bird. It's got like a beak. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a variety of colors. So the beak is the part that you can see and touch. And that's often called like a pea-sized nub or something ridiculous. But it's equivalent to the glands or the head of the penis. And I think just even though that's very simple, just thinking about how big that is compared to the entire penis, which also has like a third of its base, um, in the pelvis um, gives you a sense of how much is underneath. So there's like 90% underneath. And these are the exact same erectile tissues that are 
columns in the clitor, excuse me, in the penis. Um, so um, corpus cavernosum, corpus spongiosum, they fill with blood and they um, puff up and get aroused. Um, and they do have an erection. And there's a urethra that goes here, that's the pee hole, and then the vagina here. But I think that was what was a little mind blowing to me was that these erectile bulbs are hugging the vagina and urethra and they're squeezing it a bit during arousal. So the clitoris and the vagina aren't like two separate things. They're really interconnected and you can feel pleasure from a variety of different places in this general region. Um, it also explains what people call the G spot pretty well. So again, thinking of this as kind of angled, um, you have the vagina and urethra here and what people call the G spot is about an inch up on the belly side and it's the back of the clitoris or the root of the clitoris, as I call it, where all the erectile tissues come together. And for some people, but not all, there's more uh, intense sensation in that place. So welcome to your clitoris full of nerves and blood vessels and very sensitive. Everybody's so excited. Sorry, I'm just like watching everybody being like, that is so cute. We need shirts. Why is there not a shirt with a diagram that we can walk around with and explain oh. to people that we need fidget spinners that are shaped like this? There's so much commentary going on right now. We can here. work on this. I definitely have clitoris <laughs> here. <but. laughs> I want a clitoris stuffed animal, says Kaza. <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I only see like uteruses and ovaries stuffed animals. Where can we get one? Mm -hmm. Well, if you want yeah. <laughs> or sculptures, if you look up Sophia Wallace, she sells those. There's also a lot of clitoris jewelry on Etsy. Very nice. Very nice. I just think it's amazing because um, it it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, it surprises me. You know, you're like, makes sense, but also that's not what people tell you. <laughs> it looks like yeah. you're it on the back of a chair. It's like picturing the DNA dude from Jurassic Park. But this. Oh, I love that. That's a great, maybe Halloween costume. I could be him. <laughs> yeah. I think what's always mind blowing, like I love to think about, there we oh, go. Sorry. Yes. That's Sophia's work. Just very kind of sculptural and kind of swan-like, which I enjoy. But this idea that there are these shapes that we need to see more around it us. Like it's wearing harem pants, you know, like the, Puppy. Oh my god, I never thought of that. That makes me think of the pants that Janelle Monet wears in pink. Uh, guys, there's a clit rodeo. Wow, <laughs> look at that. He's riding on the clitoris. I mean, he definitely knows wow. where it is. He's got his hand squarely on it. Yeah, so he's through. he's aware. Doing well. Yep. <laughs> That's incredible. Wait, how do, wow. <laughs> I am glad we went to this website. I'm glad we went to this place together. What a journey. Swan and poofy pants. That's way we've got a swan and poofy pants. I love that. Oh my gosh. I now feel the need to make claymation of a swan wearing harem pants just for you. Can I be involved? <laughs> and I just want harem pants now. <laughs> um, okay. So another, another question that we have for, whoops, I missed it. Here it is. Uh, Silvery Blue Queen says, what brought you the most joy? in your research for the book. And I, I am, because I think joy is a big part of this, right? We're talking about pleasure. What brings you the most joy in writing this book? Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I talked to so many people who had just found this kind of place of radical self-acceptance through their journey. It could be a shitty journey through the medical system right. of where they actually 
learned so much about their own body and felt empowered and like they understood themselves better. Um, and people who had just like absolutely no qualms talking about pleasure and sex and their genitals as like a source of joy. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people that work on the clitoris, um, are in that camp. Like they just love sharing this information with the world. Um, Helen O'Connell, the urologist who helped map the clitoris with new tools. Um, she would say like, I just love that I'm sharing what is women's birthright and other people with clitorises. And like, it empowers like people with all sorts of bodies to just like understand your own pleasure better. Um, and to kind of just assert again and again, that this is important anatomy that we should know. And it's ridiculous that we don't know it. Um, and that you shouldn't have to fight to say, hey, this incredibly important, sensitive um, part of the body that people use in their everyday life should be known and talked about. Um, so there's that. Um, Patty Brennan, I think, gave me a lot of joy in the same way because she was so ebullient and buoyant about like tearing down the, the duck patriarchy and just like educating her colleagues in a way that was really funny and they really respected her a lot, but she was, you know, clearly shocking a lot of like, and um, she just like developed, you know, sometimes I think you have to develop quite a sense of humor about it. And, um, and she's really pushed things forward in that way, man. I love I that. Question. Those chapters a lot. Yeah. Um, we have, um, Amanda Johnson has apparently found a picture of a clit on roller skates and it made me think. <laughs> Great digging we're doing here. Great investigating. It is. It is. Um, Kathleen Richardson asked, any cool vaginas or vagina differences you wish you could have included in the book that you did? And we had whale vaginas and we've had dolphin vaginas. Did, there were, bat vagina, were there bat vaginas? Did we talk about those? Yeah. They're still looking at the bat about. vaginas, but. Bat vaginas. Um, yeah, are there any that you were like, oh, there's just not room for this vagina in this book? I did a lot of digging about how the vagina and vulva change over like pregnancy and childbirth, even though my book is less involved with those things than most. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went down a lot of rat holes, no puns. Um, but I found like this retired anatomy teacher in Tennessee who worked really hard to, she realized that vaginas that she looked at and took molds of using dental latex Mm -hmm. um, consensually they all fell into like five categories which had these very unfortunate names like the slug shape and the um and i think there were other ones based on fruit anyways basically she was finding that there were different types of vaginas and there were differences that might be medically important, but we still don't know because no one was able to follow up on her research and she was kind of like laughed off her campus. Um, so for instance, there's like a, a fornix, there's kind of like a cul-de-sac before you get to the cervix. And that um, could be a place for like medical application, like medical creams. It could also be a place where you get a reservoir of bacteria. Um, we don't really know, but those different shapes could definitely be relevant to like putting in IUDs or other medical technologies, um, just developing any sort of treatment. Um, so there's basically like a vast variation that we only have had little hints towards. Um, and then the other thing was that during pregnancy, um, like we know that the clitoris often fills with blood. You have like a lot of hormones going on. So the tissue is different, but I, 
I was like, how does a clit change during this time? And I found this textbook called the vulva and, um, Actually, they had nothing on the clitoris. They just said it could enlarge, sorry. Um, but they said with the vagina, they said something like, oh yeah, it like goes back to its normal shape in like six to eight weeks. And I was like, how does it do that? How do we know that? And I couldn't find a citation. So I called up the author and she, I was like, what, what's the research? And she was like, oh, that's just what we think from clinical observation. Like, we're not really sure. Um, so there's so no. many interest. there's so much to be done. It's such a resilient organ. Um, I mean, literally, this is not the actual vagina, but like childbirth is freaking fascinating, even though I don't write that much about it. There's um, a cartilage between your pelvic bones that becomes stretchier with the hormone influx and literally stretches to let the baby out for one. Um, or doesn't, as the case may be, which is why I was, I was a problematic birth. I was pulled out with forceps. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's your forceps. Yeah. Her yeah stretchy she my mom did not stretchy she didn't no stretchy oh yeah some people have horrible experiences um <laughs> but you are yeah I mean obviously your organs That's rearrange awesome. and one one thing I didn't get to write about was the placenta which is the only temporary organ in the human body and it's absolutely fascinating Amazing. and like a shimmering blue sea creature and I've seen them come out um so that's for another book <laughs> there's you, you I, there's a lot going on home right now I, I yeah, you're familiar. I am familiar. <laughs> yes, Davey, you actually are. Um, there's a lot going on in the comments here. Um, one thing to take away tonight is patriarchy sounds less ominous if you put duck in front of it. Uh, right. Walker has um, some information about crayfish vaginas, which a lot of us are very curious about, especially Susan, who's like, I eat shrimp. Did I eat shrimp vaginas? How do we know? Um, yes, you did. <laughs> Absolutely. You did. You've totally eaten shrimp vaginas. Um Susan Cotter says, women's vulvas, the next unknown frontier where no doctor has gone before. Um, yeah, We also don't know uh, how many animals so, have clitorises. It turns out more and more that we never thought of that are not mammals have clitorises. So they might be oh, yeah. way more universal than we think. Patty's so, working you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that I mean, like, you know, I'm sorry, y'all, but sex is messy. If it isn't pleasurable, what are you getting up to it for? <laughs> I just feel like basically, but, you know, mm -hmm. please write another book, says Tracy. We totally need this to happen. Um, I hope to <laughs> well, eventually. And of course, yes, I agree with Kaza. Like parts of this were like super upsetting, and you're just like, but you really do need to cover it um, in a really wonderful way. That uh, I well, and I, I'm I'm in awe too because I'm writing a book that again, as I said earlier, has a lot of it's making me very ragey. Um, yeah. And so I'm trying to take a note from you, like how do I make this not feel ragey to the reader? <laughs> how can I make this less ragey? Um, journey yeah. right like part of it is the the characters you're following and like the fascinating historical narratives you're looking at like I think getting people invested and in seeing from their eyes mm -hmm. I don't know it's it's just it's a lot it's a lot to um I don't know about you but it seems to me that like when you're researching something you're like wow they used to be bad back then old bad ideas and then you go oh, we still have old bad ideas. And that was kind of the point of our little sketch too, where you're like, you're still going yeah. to the doctor and having doctors be like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I don't know. It's no. so valuable to to show that connection and like you can laugh at it in some ways. Yeah. And rage is good. Yeah. Susan <laughs> is right. There's a place for rage. Like There is a place for, we started this day, we started this show with a primal scream and not every book show starts with a primal scream. I just want to say, um, and so, you know, I feel quite, I feel quite good about that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel affirmed. Rage is good, healthy, and at this point in time, necessary. 
We clearly need more pioneering uh, scientists and doctors in the world, particularly of the perhaps not patriarchal variety. So um, maybe ducks, maybe ducks need to be in on this research. So this has been a fantastic evening. I feel like we could definitely go on maybe forever talking about these vaginas. If this is your first time visiting us on the show, first of all, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. This is this is pretty much how this is what we're like. <laughs> this yeah, is pretty much what we do. Pretty much. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it gets crazier from here. So we're so glad that you that you joined us. We're so glad that Rachel is here. Rachel, we hope you'll come back, write another book. We'll bring you back on. Um, it's we'll wonderful. Out out. Too. <laughs> yeah, and this group of people, you peculiars actually make all of this worthwhile. Um, don't forget, we have this as a podcast and also a YouTube that will go live after the show. And then you can- I had to throw this in there. <laughs> Oh my god, I do need an after party show. This is true, Susan Cotter says. Um, by the way, I did give you guys my actual laugh. Like I hide this from the world, but you heard it at the end of that skit. <laughs> sort of like loud cackling, like <laughs> um, I know. I feel like I should be able to talk to crows back to back to the Tower of London with us. Uh duculums. Oh, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yes, duck speculum is a duculum. Book club after party. We need to all meet in person at some point, like, yes. you know, when we all have lots of time and money. But once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being you at a place where you're weird. You're family. You got the blue bottle blues when you wake up in the night. Don't make a big mistake because you can never make it right. When you reach out for the No, no antidote There is no